All right, welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. We have made it to episode number 12 here <laughs> on Tuesday, November 24th, two days before we gather together, maybe, and give thanks for all our blessings. Yeah. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us on this ride once again. All right, first of all, um, we have a new, yet another follower we got feedback from. This makes us now an international broadcast. One of our friends from Canada said that uh, he very much enjoys the banter between us two old angry white guys. There's no accounting for taste. I also want to give a special shout out to Mike Haywood, who is also a listener, um, which is, I don't know if he's being kept busy enough, but if I was a customer of his, I might wonder. (laughs) Okay, so I do want to, with the announcement of a Canadian listener, by the name of Jim, and I I will never get his last name, so I'm just going to say, Jim, you know who you are. Jim K. Um, I want to revisit Build Back Better, because as you know, Joe Biden wants to build back better. In fact, I'm shooting myself in the foot for not purchasing (laughs) buildbackbetter.com as a URL, which is the office of the uh, vice president, who is now president-elect transition Joe Biden. Um, Can we get buildbackbetter.org? I just I don't I think it's too late now. I think the the the, it's the money making opportunity has passed. Ship me. is sailed. But I do want to uh, actually uh, congratulate uh, Biden because uh, he's violating the is he violating the Logan Act? I don't know. Are you allowed to talk to foreign officials when sure. you're the president? Sure. You're just not allowed to. You're just not allowed to represent yourself as a as a. Um, Representative of the United States government. Okay, fair enough. But uh, Boris Johnson uh, congratulated Biden and promised to uh, join him in building back better. And uh, we have one from Justin Trudeau. Now, the difference in the reason I'm playing this one is because most of these guys and gals are being pretty coy about what they're trying to do. But I don't know if Premier Trudeau actually got a memo and thought it was talking points that he was supposed to read or he uh, just basically gave away what what the game is here. Well, so. let's let's face it. I mean, Justin is you know Mr. Brownface, not the sharpest pencil in the in the box there. Back better means giving support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 agenda for sustainable development and the SDGs. Canada is here to listen and to help. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Yeah. So the funny thing about that is... Nothing's funny about that. Well, I mean, there's a couple of funny things about it. One is, of course, capitalism, and I'm no um, big fan of unbridled capitalism, but capitalism has, in fact, been the most effective economic system at reducing extreme poverty, um, reducing inequality, and so far, addressing climate change, right? Um, Because the guys driving climate change are the communists in China, really. At this point, the West and America have been more or less flat for the last 15 or so years. So good news, Comrade Trudeau. We got your system for you. Um, You need to join it. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is Canada, it, it's it's ridiculous to think that Canada used to be a great country and now is just stumbling into being an oversized Belgium. I mean, it's really sad. 
Well, I mean, look, you know, the look, here's the deal. Uh, this has been here's going the deal. on for this a is no joke time. <laughs> the UN has been pushing this stuff. Um, you know, the, the all the Paris stuff. Christina Figueres, I can never pronounce Figueres, her last name. Figueres. The uh, former princess from yeah, she was a she was a pitcher down in the Cuban leagues too earlier in her career. Wasn't so, she? <laughs> I mean, she was saying this stuff when she was over at the UN hawking the Paris stuff that this is the fundamental transformation of the global economy away from the industrial revolution. You know the the. the <sighs> The ridiculousness that passes for thought among the European elites is is terrible, and not to jump ahead in our table of contents, but in all fairness, they alone among the citizens of the world deserve John Kerry, and fortunately, Joe Biden is going to give him to him. Yes, indeed. John Kerry is getting demoted. The former Demote. Secretary of State <laughs> is going to be the climate attache, the, climate the presidential envoy. senior Climate attaché. Climate envoy. Who will be also have a seat on the National Security Council. I, you know, I don't even know what the hell that means. Um, there's like 97 guys who sit in those meetings. So what it means is that once again on the taxpayer's dime, John Kerry will be able to fly around the world and stay at fancy hotels in Europe and basically agree to putting us into agreements that you know, kneecap our economic well-being. I, All in the name of climate change. You know, the, the the great thing about the great thing about John is Senator Kerry, sorry, I meant no disrespect. The great thing about Senator Kerry is is that I always love it when he lectures people about climate change, either from one of his yachts, from a plane he just got off of, or from his twelve million dollar waterfront mansion in Nantucket. Wait, did he? But he moved though. He was where was he before in in Massachusetts? Because I know he bought a mansion next to President Obama's mansion. Yeah, I don't know in uh, Nantucket, which was an upgrade, by the way. Martha's Vineyard. Who can tell? Yeah, me? that's where it was. Martha's you know, Vineyard. Look, it, it, any anybody who'd married Teresa Hines for the money deserves what they get. Um, that's a terrible thing to say, and I, I apologize immediately for it, but not really. So I did a quick um, back-of-the-envelope calculation The between Joe Biden and John Kerry. They have been elected politicians for a combined 81 years. No. I yes, can't. John that Kerry. is right. 81 be combined. John Kerry was elected for 34 years? He was. Or he just hung around for no, 34 years? No, he was lieutenant governor ah. in Massachusetts. Good. Before he became a senator, I didn't know that. That's that's wonderful. Also, uh, he has been on foreign policy matters between he and Joe Biden. I think their track record on being wrong is about one hundred percent. So, so that's the fun thing about this team they've put together. You know, Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan, and all the rest of these guys. The only and Kerry now. Um, the only the only um, Obama retread they don't have on the premises is Ben Rhodes. Um, so far, so far. But I, hell, for all I know, Ben's going to sneak in there or something. Um, these are the guys who were wrong about Iran. They were wrong about Israel. They were wrong about wait, the wait. whole Middle East. They were wrong about Israel. And let me let me play a clip from 2016. This is Senator Kerry being his usual adamant, confident self, who was 100 percent wrong. Here it is. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. 
I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, this is, these are his words. It's difficult to tease out which is worse, the, the condescending tone or the absolute wrongness of everything he says. It's like... And it's not just this. It's everything. It's everything. It's everything. It's, like, and the media, this E&E and all these other public guys, gravitas on the foreign yeah, policy oh, team no. for, for Joe Biden. And it, it, it Gravitas is Latin for um, boring and incomprehensibility. Uh, it, it's... it's, yeah. it's, it's so I, I, it's so far so good, right? If this is Joe Biden's dream foreign policy dream team. Oh, boy. You know, the only problem is, is that at least with respect to, to Tony Blinken, right, and probably Michelle um, Floney, right, who's going to wind up being named Secretary of Defense, they've taken a bunch of money from the Chinese. And not like, you know, not in drips and drabs. You know, when when Secretary-designate Blinken was running the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, which, by the way, speaking as a University of Pennsylvania grad, makes me sick that we have a Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. But when Tony was running it, they got 70 million bucks from the Chinese, including $22 million from anonymous um, donations, which I'm pretty confident is against the laws we're sitting here. So, you know, so it's not just like the Obama retreading. It's not the fact that they're wrong about everything. It's the fact that they're they have been they have been impaired by their relationships with the Chinese. Yeah. Well, and then you can go. You can talk about the cancer found the foundation sure. that they set up, where they've sure. spent almost every penny on salary. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this is sort of Hillary Clinton. The Clintons on steroids, right? But it's Joe. It's just Joe. It's just so Joe. it's okay. It's just Joe. By the way, I want to point this out real quick because I this is a personal thing, right? Joe didn't actually go to the University of Pennsylvania. He didn't attend because he couldn't get in. Unlike President Trump, who did get in, did attend, did graduate, and who Penn has steadfastly refused to recognize. So yes, you know, to all you Penn grads out there who are paying attention and giving money to the university, you're suckers. Well, uh, not only that, but he claimed back in the day what a what he finished the top of his class at law school completely whitewashed all of the lies Syracuse. and all the plagiarism. He, he lost two presidential runs because one he literally plagiarized somebody word for word practically in a speech, and then he did it again the next time he ran, but that didn't get covered in the cycle it, it, either. It, so it, it, it. anyway, uh, not to dump <laughs> on the guy, but but. Because there's plenty of people dumping on the guy. Like, for example, another press release from the Progressives Food and Water Watch. Out of the Hall of Justice. Will appoint news reports indicate President-elect Biden will appoint former Senator and Secretary of State John Kerry to a newly created, I didn't, I'm paraphrasing here, newly created position, which is a, a, like powerfully like below any... You know, not com not confirmed anything else. Anyway, 
having held cautious optimism that President-elect Joe Biden could be persuaded to take a bold, determined approach to tackling the climate crisis from day one. We are suddenly alarmed by his choice of John Kerry for climate star. Kerry has been a longtime apologist for fossil fuel fracking and a reliable promoter of false climate solutions like market-based carbon trading schemes. Kerry's proposals are tired ideas from years past that will do little or nothing to address our climate crisis and will actually continue to place a disproportionate unjust burden on vulnerable communities that have borne the brunt like a car fossil fuel pollution like a carbon tax like a carbon tax that's all true by the way except for that last part although he is in favor of carbon tax which would be regressive and damage minority communities low income worse um the fact that you got to send out a press release when you're supposed to be on the inside is again um embarrassing to those guys well the other thing the other thing is that uh the Sunrisers and the Justice Hall of Justice folks uh, complained a little bit too, but Ron Klain assuaged their concerns because he will not have the domestic portfolio. He will only be limited to running around the world and basically making promises that he won't be able to keep. Yeah. So, so I was having a conversation with a Democratic operative yesterday, and they told me they gave me a, 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 an analogy that I thought was helpful, although scary. They said, "Look, um, the Sunrise guys view um, fossil fuel use now as slavery, and you know it's a question of are you anti-slavery or pro-slavery, and if your money has been touched at all by the slavers, um, you are bad." And I mentioned it as personal. I'm like, well, that strikes me as it's going to be tough to find anybody who knows anything, who's not an idiot, who um, hasn't worked in and around the energy business for any length of time, who hasn't been touched by fossil fuels. Even, truthfully, guys involved in wind and solar, EV guys, you make that stuff. You, yeah. you bend steel with fossil fuels. Yeah, but – so, so there's not going to be anybody who's holy enough for these guys eventually. But you, you keep – trying to inject facts and reason into these conversations and it just doesn't matter i i i I will just remind you of one thing the first people the bolsheviks killed they were not the monarchists the first people they killed were the mensheviks so revolutions tend to eat their own at some point sunrise and the food and whatever guys who don't, don't like carry they're gonna have to they're gonna have to realize they're getting stiffed yeah, well, they're not only really getting stiffed, but as as we can surmise at this point, the Obama administration, the Obama guys are winning the day thus far, and a few Biden cronies. So, so so much for a fresh, bold new start with a with a combined eighty one years of public <laughs> political. Uh, yeah, you know. you know the press. It's funny. The it's like, I didn't think about it. You just said it. The press has been reporting it like he's been picking all his old staff guys. I'm like. Yeah, that's who presidents tend to pick, their old staff guys. But the problem is all of a sudden you wind up with all these 70-year-old staffers in the White House because he himself is 78. His staff guy is usually 10 years younger. I mean, you know, the, the staff people I've seen to date picked have been old. They've been old. Yeah. And and these guys are old. I mean, you know, John Kerry's 76, 77. Yeah, I think the difference between this crop of old guys and Trump's crop of old guys was Trump's crop of old guys produced jobs. They made payroll. They did some stuff that were like sort of they had some semblance of what it means to like run a business and things like that. Whoa. These guys are just yeah, I mean, a bunch of staffers. Yeah, that was basically, say, you know, Mike, 
look, I'm not saying that Mike Pompeo like did everything right, but when you compare his record to Carey's in the Middle East, in a on. very short period of time, a very by short the way. period of time, right? And and when the when they bring the Saudis on the boat, I, I, I wonder what a guy like Carey's going to say about yeah. that. I mean, he, you know, I don't, I won't replay the clip, but. I mean, the guy was like, it's too bad. It's a great clip. It captures him perfectly. Exactly. It's insane. It's totally insane. And like, I nobody assu- is... I can assure you without... With, blah, 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 I blah, just blah. talked to some people this past week. <laughs> Muffy. Sounds like a library cop. Yeah, it's totally insane. Speaking of Build Back Better, it sounds like Shelley Moore Capito is on board. Uh, just to get our, our <laughs> listeners sort of you know, kind of oriented here. So Senator Barrasso from Wyoming announced if the Republicans, and we're, we're going to talk about this too, because uh, this is not a foregone conclusion by any means. There's a lot at stake in these special elections in Georgia in January. But if the Republicans keep the Senate, Senator Barrasso from Wyoming has indicated he will take the chair of the Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee, which is an upgrade, in my opinion, for that chairmanship. Um, but I think anybody who wanted the chair would have been an upgrade, quite honestly. So that's saying more about the current chair. Um, but I think he's more oriented, as I've indicated, I think he's more oriented to this, to this committee's jurisdiction. He's more grounded in his home state to this committee of jurisdiction because, uh, Wyoming is a federal land state. Got a lot of coal, got a lot of oil and gas. He's a Republican. And he's a Republican. He, he's a Republican who ran as a Republican who won the Republican yes. nomination in Wyoming, unlike the predecessor. Yes. And that means that Congress Senator Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia will be the chair of the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, which has jurisdiction over transportation issues, highway bill, et cetera. The infrastructure package the two trillion dollar <laughs> infrastructure package that will include everything to save our planet from imminent destruction will likely come out of that committee and what mike did you say that she said yeah, recently the first, the first thing when i asked her hey what are your priorities she's like yeah i want to get a five-year surface transportation bill done <laughs> it was just it was so Matter of fact, so like she didn't even talk about that ridiculousness coming out of the house at her. She's like, yeah, I want to get a five-year surface transportation bill done, which was perfect, right? It just blew the whole thing up without her ever having to say, that thing's ridiculous. Just totally ignored it, which Peter DeFazio has to be like the worst thing that could have happened to you, right? Just, yeah, five-year surface transportation, peace, you know. So um, this – in case you were – for all you lobbyists out there who were thinking, hey, I'm going to make bank on this infrastructure bill, um, you might want to recalibrate because you're going to have a highway bill, not an infrastructure bill. Well, if – big if. If the Republicans keep, if the, Republicans keep the Senate. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's a big if right now, I think. Um, I think a lot of people assume that it was a done deal, but uh, based on what's been going on – sort of post-election and pre-swearing in, and and this election, this special will take place, I believe, what, January 5th? 5th. Um, that is not a foregone conclusion at this point. No, it would be much better for us if the person in charge of this operation would shut up and focus on that election instead of keep talking about his election or non-election. 
Yeah, I mean, at some point there has to be a coming together here, um, and, and a you know recognition that this is a critical thing for the country. Uh, uh, so we're for six, the short term here. We're six weeks out, right? Today, as we're sitting here, right today, we're six weeks out, um, and and two of those weeks are going to get eaten by Christmas. So you know, legit have four weeks of campaigning. Get out the votes, really important. Um, I'm going to say something that's going to offend a lot of people. I don't care. Uh, Karl Rove is in charge of getting out the vote there. That makes me feel very good. He, you know, he he's not good at a lot of things. He's terrible at actually like um, running a party, but he's really good at getting out the vote. He does well, what does getting out the vote mean these days in Georgia? Because they are doing mail-in ballots again. Yeah. Um, and as it as it was made painfully clear on election night, Republicans are neither comfortable with or good at yeah mail-in balloting. Yeah, so it is a legitimate, legitimate thing to say that the Democrats could take these two seats. And if they, it is also possible that it could split. Now, we've been sort of thinking that it's going to be a, a slate, kind of either both D's are going to go in or both R's are going to go in. Yeah, but, it's not going to split. But that Loeffler race is starting to get Leffler. a little bit, Leffler, that's getting a little bit weird. It's, it's, it's not going to be, a, it's not going to be a split. It's, you know, Dave, Dave, Dave Perdue and, and Kelly are going to run together and, that's probably for the best, right? I don't want to see a fifty-one forty-nine situation because I, at that point, I think we have the chances of a party switch are high. So, at the top of this, I thought it's probably seventy percent chance we win in Georgia, and numbers down probably to like sixty-five. It's been an uninspiring situation, and all the oxygen is being taken out of the room by the president, and that's not helpful either. So we'll see how it goes. Come back in a week. We'll have a better view of it, right? Yeah, we'll come back after Thanksgiving. And speaking of Thanksgiving and the election and President Trump, uh, this was last year's turkey pardoning press conference. Uh, but I wanted to play it for everybody because I don't – I think they haven't done – they're doing it today. Today. Uh, but I want to play a, a, yeah. a foreshadowing perhaps. Here it is. Thanksgiving is a time of great American traditions. And today we continue a very special one when – a lucky turkey gets a presidential pardon. That turkey is so lucky. I've never seen such a beautiful turkey. <laughs> it has been stated that President Abraham Lincoln, honest Abe, was the first president to grant such a pardon after his son, Tad, befriended the Christmas turkey and implored his father, please, Dad, please save it. In this grand tradition, I am pleased to announce that today's lucky bird and guest of honor is named Pease, along with his alternate named Carrots. The children will understand that. The winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election conducted <laughs> on the White House website. This was a fair election. <laughs> Unfortunately, Carrots refused to concede and demanded a recount, and we're still fighting with carrots. And I will tell you, we've come to a conclusion. Carrots, I'm sorry to tell you, the result did not change. It's too bad for carrots. <laughs> I, there's no reason to comment. I just thought it was funny. No, it's it's actually really, it's, okay, so the boss really likes presidenting, right? And that's presidenting. He, he loves that kind of thing. And you could tell. He just, you could just tell he was enjoying himself enormously, right? So I, I, I wonder how today's is going to go. 
I, okay, so I guess the larger issue here is to me that uh, I think that uh, in every election there's shenanigans. Sure. Okay. Um, in every election there's stuff that shouldn't, you know, that's kind of being brushed under the rug. If out of all of this, and I know that uh, he he freed the GSA to he allow the transition. Freed the freed the GSA, <laughs> freed the people to allow the official transition stuff to happen. Um, we have not seen them make an ironclad case, and I'm, you know, just laying it out there. Yeah. So uh, this might come to an, a close soon. Um, and if if anything that comes out of this is is that the state legislators in these states really do focus on making sure that if these mail-in, you know, these mail-in, make these voter rolls clean. Yeah. Well. Right. And we can't have elections where you know. You can even think there that the possibility of some grand conspiracy, right, has happened, right? Yeah. I mean, we should this in this country that is the beginning of the end, in yeah. my opinion. So, I, I think that's all right. Um, you know, but it's unsexy, and you you set it aside till next time. The only the only state I can think of that really took a disaster and turned it into something really good, Florida, right? They had a they had a near death experience in two thousand. They're the best in the country. Yeah, now. Florida is getting you know a bad rap because of who manages Florida, but th- as we've said in the past, both DeSantis and Rick Scott are legit, like yeah, pl- you know, potential yeah. presidential candidates. Yeah, yeah. they've got a record to pr- to run on. Um, yeah, it's a, you it's know, a, it's a it's it's a well managed. Well-run state, and nobody likes to hear that because it's like a national punchline. Hey, a Florida man, but truth of the matter is, um, really complicated state, most complicated state in the country. Yeah, as I'm far actually as demographics, population. That they do great with it. Right? I'm actually lobbying my wife for us to move down there. Believe it or not, I've always sort of been dismissive of Florida, but it's it's you got to be comfortable with the heat, <laughs> which I'm not. Because the but as long as oh. the air conditioner is great. Um, no, it's, and more recently you saw an act of heroism. I don't know if you caught it on Twitter, but a man saved his dog. I did see that. From an alligator. From an alligator, yeah. He jumped in the pond and he snatched the dog out of the jaws of the alligator. That's and so guess bad. what he did not do? He did not lose his cigar. Oh, yeah, I did see that. His cigar that. remained that. in his mouth the entire time it was Awesome. We will put that clip in the show notes because it was that's peak vintage Florida. Florida. That's peak Florida right yeah. there, baby. Anyway, back to Georgia, yeah. uh, the neighbors to the north. Mike, let's take off what's at stake here. Uh, yeah. Just right out of the box. Yeah. If these seats go Democrat, what is the difference between the Biden's first two years and then, you know, under Republican, under Mitch, under Mitch McConnell, or or um, yeah. or under Chuck Schumer. Yeah. So foundationally, right? There, there's there's a couple of foundational things right out of the gate, right? There's going to be statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, right? Um, to give the to give the Democrats a little plus four in the Senate right away, right? Um, so you know, you also got to think that the Voting Rights Act is going to get cut open, and they're going to um, they're going to try to make it so that. Uh, people who cannot now vote can vote, right? Including potentially people who are not here in the country legally, or make it more difficult for states to exclude those people. It's probably a better way to think about it. Um, and then, um, you know, the tax increase, the four trillion dollar tax increase that that Biden's been talking about, that that comes on right away because of reconciliation, right? All that's in. 
that, that yeah well remember um, that's and, how and, president trump got the tax sure. cuts through reconciliation sure. which is a 51 vote threshold right, right, right. it's a budget trick but that's that's how it works yeah and the infrastructure thing that we were just making fun of about right the infrastructure thing that two trillion dollar um, monstrosity that comes on and you have to think that something you know it will be called covid relief or stimulus that goes from less than a trillion to probably two or three trillion yeah right? and can i interrupt for a second sure i'm trying to be polite in our sure. interruptions we're getting yeah. some feedback we're working on it the that is why Nancy Pelosi is holding up COVID relief. It's a $2 trillion bet for them. They can get a trillion dollars out of the Republicans or they're going to get $3 trillion, including walk-around money for the blue states. Yeah. And that is why they're holding up COVID relief sure. until after the special sure. elections. What is, it? it's just, it's, what is it? Like I said, it's six weeks from now, right? Because whoever wins those specials is going to get sworn in that day or the next day because on January 6th, right? Senate's in session. They're counting electoral votes on, on the 6th. So, um, you know, there's about probably 15 or 20 other knock-ons from the Georgia thing, right? Um, you can forget um, you can forget any kind of check on the Biden administration, right, as far as budget or programmatic. Um, and that cuts across all kinds of areas. It's going to be a What mess. about religious liberty? Yeah, you know, it... Um, uh, what's the name of that bill that got floating around out there? There's a bill floating around out there. I can't remember on religious liberty. That's right. That's going to go. Um, got the police. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, at 52, you know, the de at 52, the Democrats aren't going to be able to do everything. The hell of a lot more than they would have. I right. mean, it, a well, hell of a right. lot And more. it also means, it also means, you know, you get a Supreme Court justice, um, you you know they're gonna they're gonna have fifty two votes to to nominate and confirm whoever they want to the Supreme Court, appellate court, district courts. Different if the Republicans have fifty two, it puts a break on it. People are like eh, yeah, they're gonna slow that. it, it also, down a little bit. Yeah, I mean the other thing that it, it stirifies if you get fifty two, um, the two or three moderates that are left on the Democratic side, all of a sudden they become a little bit more um, sturdy than they were. Joe Manchin, Hickenlooper, um, right? They become not not just roll with the party votes, right? So really, if you have 52, you really have closer to 54 on a lot of this stuff. It, it's bad. It would be very bad to lose these seats. Like, it would be. Like, like not, not, epi not epically bad, but like... Carbon tax? Sure. You're going to get a carbon tax? Sure, absolutely. We might get one anyway, right? Yeah, we're going to... I hope we have votes on the carbon tax. I know we've been asking. I for hope it we have so lots badly. of votes on the carbon tax. I don't understand why Sheldon Whitehouse doesn't insist on a vote on the carbon. Well, tax. when they had a supermajority and John Kerry was a senator, um, they didn't manage to put their cap and trade bill on the floor of the Senate. I wonder why. Yeah, the Georgia thing. Sixty votes they had in the uh, the first two years. Yeah, sixty-one, right? Until 61. Uh, Scott Brown was the name we couldn't remember a couple of yes. episodes ago. Um, yeah, the Georgia thing to put it in perspective, right? It, it would create a mess that would probably take us 10 or 12 years to fix. Yes. Um, breaking news here uh, on the American Energy Alliance podcast. We will be endorsing both candidates for re-election and the special and the runoff. Not, yeah. a, not a big surprise. Really? It is a surprise, however, that we're uh, now sort of moving into Senate and House races. We've, gen we, we've generally stayed focused on the presidential but uh, these things are too important, and there's no reason for us to sit in the sidelines in these House and Senate races, especially when the NRDCs and the LCVs and all these environmental groups are not only uh, simultaneously complaining about dark money 
for conservative groups, but also are shovel are being, uh, you know, uh, the tens of millions of dollars in dark quote unquote dark money is being shoved into their coffers and they've set up super PACs this cycle that yeah like far exceeded anything I could possibly ever imagine uh as I I think I mentioned this before maybe not on the podcast Democrats spent outspent Republicans Democrat or Democrat organizations or support for Democrats outspent Republicans 65 to 35. Yeah, about two to one. In this last cycle. Yeah, that's right. That's right, including. And and by the way, shattered all yeah. all political spending this yeah. cycle. You know, everybody got outspent. McConnell got outspent two to one. Um, Lindsey Graham got outspent three or four to one. Dan Sullivan got outspent four to one. Steve Daines got outspent um, almost two to one. All these guys who won the races, Susan Collins got outspent two to one. Everybody got outspent, which tells you what? I mean, it only matters so much. Right. It, but, tells, it tells you there's a limit to there's a limit to the value of cash. The, the you know dollar number one hundred million in one doesn't get you any closer to victory. And let me diverge here for a second. That's the genius of Rick Scott. Rick Scott's a businessman, a successful businessman. You know, billionaire on his own on his own um, accord. Right. He runs his campaigns like a business. How much do I need to spend to get fifty percent plus one? Sure. And that's what he spends. Right. And he wins. And that's why he's going to be so difficult to beat in this in twenty twenty four, because he does not he does not play this game like everybody else. He's like, I don't care if you give me a kajillion dollars. If I need seventy five million to win, that I'm gonna yeah. spend seventy five million bucks. Also though, he's not afraid to scratch an itch when he has one. Remember those ads he ran in in Iowa, was was complaining about something. I can't remember. Yeah, what I mean, it was. he's he's he, he just took out a personal ad, and just yeah. squawked in front of a camera for thirty seconds, well, just to know. vent. What's it, right? What's which was point, awesome. What's the point of being a rich guy? <laughs> can't do that kind of thing. It, it, but I mean, in this this campaign, this whole election cycle was a validation of Rick Scott's approach to the world and a repudiation of every consultant's view of the world, which is if you give me another X. Hundred thousand, hundred million, ten million. I will, I will guarantee your victory. Uh, uh-uh, not anymore. And you know the thing about it is, the donors, unless they're complete idiots, must understand that they've been taken. They must understand it. How could you not understand? Uh, it? Maybe they don't care, I, right? I, I mean, I have no idea how Act Blue like keeps going after this. As long as they get rid of the orange man, then you know they probably feel like they got a return on their investment. They're going to be really. Yeah. Okay. So that's part of it, right? The the dumbification of American politics, right? Everybody's like, "Yeah, we'll get rid of the president, and we'll be great." You know, if the Republicans win those races in Georgia, everybody on the left is going to well, figure out. Well, but see, they don't. They don't know. They're all like, they they are all now like the like a lot of the Trump supporters. All I got to do is get my guy president, and everything's going to yeah. be fine. And you're like, it's not that easy. No, it isn't. And it is a genius system that our founders set up, including the electoral college process uh, and the fact that ultimately the House of Representatives decides who the next president of the United States is. Right. Ultimately. Um, the Speaking um, of that, it's a genius system. Whoever wants to write an essay for me for To the Republic for the Washington Times, it's a great series on the Federalist Papers and like a re-upping of them. For a modern day interpretation of the Constitution, get in touch with me. I'm looking for authors. A call out to all our <laughs> listeners, please. Um, where was I? I lost my track here. Great system. 
No, no, no. I just want to recap on on Georgia. Yeah. Um, if the Senate retains this, if the Republicans retain the Senate, it goes from a year, a two year cycle where the vice president who has no honeymoon, as we've talked about, mm. grinds out some stuff, um, executive orders and begins to unwind President Trump's amazing track record on deregulatory efforts. And that's about it. And it goes from that to all the stuff you just you just ticked off mm. and way, way more um, in yeah. terms of, of what the next two years will look like. And as, as in terms of the markets, in terms of the economy, in terms of, you know, all the things that we as free market conservatives hold dear, that's the difference in these next two years. Yeah, it's it's that's a great that that's great insight, right? It shortens the Republican majority shortens the, the leash on President Biden, right? And um, and the thing is, you're seeing who they're who they're picking on the national security side. You got to figure they're going to pick the same kind of people on the domestic side, and these are people who love process. They don't um, really care about outcomes. Um, you know, they think, hey, the process is great, and eventually we'll get to the right outcome, and that's cool. But what it means is they're going to go slower than you think they're going to go. So truncating his ability to make changes is going to be important. Everybody in this town wants that. Everyone makes money off of that. Process, Every, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Everyone gets a piece, gets a meeting, gets to report back to their clients that they did this for them and they hmm. did that for them. And, you know, Republicans and Democrats, the swamp, the establishment on both sides, th this is like – Grandpa, you know, President Grandpa is exactly what they want. Yeah, well, Chris Horner, Chris Horner hit it best, right? Um, he said lobbying lobbyists are people who get paid to give you the second worst outcome, right? And they can go to you and say, ah, oh, at least we avoided this outcome over here. And all the outcomes that are different than that worst outcome, the lobbyist doesn't care. Because whatever it is, he can argue, I saved you from the worst outcome. Yeah. Which I, is, I, if you think about it, as soon as I heard it, right, you know, Chris, Chris, if you're listening, I love you. Chris, uh, Chris is not a native English speaker. <laughs> so, you know. He's just a sec, he's just a little but, higher but, order thought but, kind, but, but, kind of guy. But when right? I heard it, when I heard that, I was like, that is the most brilliant explanation of lobbying ever, ever. All right. Uh, I want to do a quick segment on tech. I don't want to get too involved in it, but uh, as you as you know, Mike, that there's been some hearings in the Hill where senators have been uh, wagging their fingers at uh, Jack Dorsey and, and and Mark Zuckerberg, and yeah. even though he is also uh, a Democrat who has switched parties and become Republican, I become fond of. Uh, sometimes it gets a little bit weird, but sometimes Senator Kennedy from Louisiana hits the nail right on the head. And he did it in this recent hearing. I'm going to play the clip right now. Do you have somebody on your staff who protects you from reading things that they think you shouldn't? No. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, do you believe everything you read? No, Senator. Why not? Uh, because a lot of things are incomplete or incorrect. So you exercise your own judgment? Yes, Senator. Do you have somebody on your staff whose job is to filter things that they think you should not be reading? Uh, Senator, not not externally, although I would 
hope that the teams that I work with internally do their best to uh, make sure that the information that they're presenting me with are always accurate. <laughs> okay. So like you say, Kennedy is not always on target, but man, when he is, he just hits it with a lot of payload. That he, was a dart. Um, he comes with speed and anger. I mean, that's awesome. I didn't yes. hear that before this. That was a dart, that, right? That, right at the at the bullseye. It, it, it's a, it is a great argument for free speech in about eight sentences. These guys are going to seal their own doom um, if they keep it up. I mean, right now, um, everyone's telling me, oh, I'm just going to go to Parlor, which I think Bongino is part owner, Dan Bongino, which I, we didn't know that till recently. Uh, but it I'm you know, shocked. He's got shocked. the most the most followers. He's been working on Parlor for a while. Good for him. Good entrepreneur. And this Rumble, which is a sort of a, a conservative YouTube, if that, you will. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. So I, I'm just saying, I, I think that we're going to, we live in a world right now in this country where there are literally two United States. Hmm. There are, it, you can read, we've talked about this, you can read the same article and get a completely different perspective about it, depending yeah. on which whether you're red or you're blue, in a lot of cases. Yeah, I'm sensitive to that. Uh, you know, Republicans, for the most part, own Facebook. Democrats, for the most part, own Twitter. Uh, I have no idea about YouTube, right? I'm not, I'm not young enough and hip enough to read YouTube. Um, the thing is, is that uh, Republicans, Democrats in the last 20 years have figured out or, or always look for ways to, to use regulations to make what they don't want more expensive. Right. And Republicans are not any good at regulation because we don't do it. Um, the, the trick here is to figure out a way to make Facebook, Twitter, YouTube less competitive in the marketplace. Yes. Instead of handing over the authority. to go Yeah. And that's why they're flocking to, to Parler. They're flocking yeah. to Rumble. The, 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 I just had this conversation with my staff. We want to run. We want to run simple cartoons. We want to pay spend a little bit of money on yeah. Twitter. To run simple cartoons talking about the hypocrisy of EVs yeah. of an EV mandate, sure. they deemed it political speech, and they there's a there's a ban on it until they decide to lift the ban. Yeah, so I mean, it's their right not to take our money. Well, well but it's also like how 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 is having an opinion about electric vehicles political speech? Well, I mean, and that kind of, that kind of thing goes right to the question, right? Are you guys a platform? Are you guys a yeah. are you guys a, a publisher? That's a publisher, right? That, and, that's what they're doing. And you should be regulated, right? That, that Section 230 is out, right? So I, I don't see how you don't do a, don't do a 230 rewrite. Um, I'm just not sure. Of the, well, again, it also – sorry, I'm supposed to – No, 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 no. Again, no. it also goes back to the point, which is these guys, John Kerry, young Dorsey, young Zuckerberg, the mold is the same. We know best. Yeah, we know what you need to see, read, hear. How you get to, you know, spend your time. What restaurants, you know, how many people are allowed to yeah. eat at a restaurant? I think there's how a... many people are allowed to sit around the Thanksgiving table? How many, how far apart you need to be spaced in order to do that? I think there's a difference, though. I think there's a big difference, and I'll tell you what it is. Right, guys like Dorsey and Zuckerberg, uh, they don't care. They're responding to political pressure. They're trying to figure out their, their pathway to it, right? They, I guarantee you, Jack Dorsey couldn't care less what you put on Twitter so long as he's making money. He doesn't care. 
Zuckerberg is the same way on Facebook. He doesn't care. The public health guys who want to who want to um, who want to crunch you on um, who want to crunch you on Thanksgiving, you know those guys they're just doing public health guys do. The right answer is to have no human contact whatsoever. The problem is, is that the guys who are supposed to be babysitting them, the people you elected, have just said, "Yeah, oh, we're listening to the science," which is like that's crazy. Okay, so Zuckerberg and Dorsey don't care. The public health guys just doing what he does. The problem children, guys like Carrie. Because they really do want to tell you what to do. They don't care about making money, and they're not just doing what they're what they were trained to do. They really do want to um, tell you what to do, and that's terrifying. I guarantee you, if 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 you told Jack Dorsey tomorrow morning that there was you know enough political pressure to run your cartoons, he'd run your cartoons. He doesn't care. You know, this whole thing is like a bit. Of, you can tell these two guys don't care by how they answer. They're just you know they're just, yeah no no. Yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really telling. Saying, though it's simple. like they probably don't even know half of what they're censoring. Of course, they at don't. At this point, they're, you know, they're just, they're just normal. They're, look, they're not normal Americans. They're obviously very wealthy Americans, but they answer like normal Americans would. Like, no, of course not, Senator. What the hell are you talking about? And they get two, two questions into it before they realize. Oh wait a minute! I see where Here's this is answer. going. <laughs> right. See, if they were political guys, they'd be like, first question, they'd be like, uh, I don't want to answer this question, yeah. right? And and that's so. The thing we got to do for guys like Dorsey and Zuckerberg and the public health guys too is incentivize them to do what they want to do in help in helpful ways instead of hurtful ways. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 230 I, I, fight because it's going to be ginormous. It's and everyone's it's going to be like a tax thing. Everyone's going to be on all sides. It won't it. happen under this administration because they want more censorship. I mean, they they view this. This as you know, the, that's what they are. They're arguing is that you guys haven't even done enough of, you know, filtering out all of the lies and the fake news. I kind right? of wonder. I, I think what's going to happen is, is these guys out in Silicon Valley are going to try to buy this administration off with well, climate change stuff. You know, they're going to be like, hey, we're all in on climate change. Um, but it doesn't really matter. It's coming at some point this year, next year, year after whatever. It's going to come because because platform. Publisher, that question is yeah, uh, and it's clear what they are at this point. Yeah. It's just a matter of when the system catches up to them. Yep. So, and the other question is, is, what alternatives are there? Like you said, that can compete in the marketplace for an audience, right? And the worst part about it is, it's you know, I, I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was a National Review columnist who wrote a piece after the Romney disaster that said. The problem isn't that there aren't enough conservatives. The problem is there are now too many conservatives. There are so many conservatives that we can all talk to each other <laughs> and not try to convert yeah. any more liberals into being conservatives. Yeah. And we also raise money off of each other. Yeah. Um, and that is legitimate, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a great observation. Yeah. All right. Um, two more things I want to revisit. Oh, no. French Laundry. I, I want to revisit French Laundry Gate. <laughs> Okay, let me just get out ahead of wait, this wait, right before now. You, before oh, no. you go, uh, <laughs> sorry, I know we're supposed to minimize interruptions, okay. but I want to play a clip. It's a two-parter. Uh, I want to do the intro and the close. This is Congressman Tom McClintock, uh, 4th District of California, Tom Republican. Tom McClintock's a great man. On the floor of the House of Representatives. Mr. Speaker, I rise this morning in defense of Governor Gavin Newsom who recently defied his own idiotic COVID edicts <laughs> as he partied at one of the few restaurants that's not yet been forced out of business. 
That's part one. Okay, let me just stop you right there. Tom is a national treasure. I mean, that's that's got to be the greatest sentence ever. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I want to play the second part. This is the close, a little bit longer, so bear with me. So let us not criticize Governor Newsom. Perhaps he's just offered us all deliverance from his own folly. Nor should we criticize the California legislators who ignored travel and quarantine restrictions to junket in Hawaii. Nor should we ridicule Speaker Pelosi for choosing not to wear a mask in a hair salon that was forced to close for the rest of us. Good for them. They're demonstrating by their actions the freedom that every American citizen needs to reclaim from these very same people. The governor should make his own decisions about running his own life. I only ask that he and his ilk would stop telling the rest of us how to run ours. I love it. Well, that's, that, that is, you know. So Tom Tom wrote an essay for this to, to the Republic thing, right on the on the on the on the Constitution, rediscovering the Constitution, right? Um, and it was spectacular. I mean, he he just. I wish he was from someplace other than California because he should be a, he should be a, a voice in the Senate for sure. Yep, uh, that's sort of a repeating pattern here. We've got uh, Cory Gardner who. Is great, but he's Colorado. We got Tom, who's California. He ran for governor in yeah. one of the last sort of governor gasps. races. That, the last gas of the prayer. Republican Party. Right. Um, but he does cut through the mustard. But you I might was, have a mea culpa about I, French I, Laundry Gate. I was wrong about French Laundry Gate, and I'm sorry about that. I, I here's, here's the thing. I did not know that the— Here's the deal. I did not—look, no joke. This is not a joke. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> Here's the deal. I didn't realize the guys from the California Medical Association were there, too. I literally thought it was, hey, it's a dinner for a couple of his friends. And he got bagged and he apologized. But the the fact that like the, the presence of the CMA lobbyist was not disclosed. Uh, you know, wow. and, and it was open, 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 open. The fact that he was wow. they were so loud yeah. that they I, had to close the doors because they were bothering everybody else. I told you when we when I ran that clip that, you know, that that you apology know, Gavin, was was all full of holes. You know, Gavin so. is an interesting guy and you get the feeling like he's struggling with internal demons. Like he's he's smart enough to, to jettison Kimberly Guilfoyle. Um, but not smart enough to avoid apologizing for something without full disclosure. I, I just don't get him sometimes. I really don't. That's the, that's the curse of the politician. They just can't own it. Like, why can't they just own it? Seriously. Politicians who own it always do Seriously. so well with voters. Willie Brown. They just own it. They're like, I did this. Willie Brown. If you had to pick a, a California Democrat everybody liked, it would be Willie Brown. Not because they agree with him, just because his attitude is, here it is. Here's the truth. Just own it. That's the bottom line. Okay, one more uh, on, on the energy side. Uh, we'll get into um, uh, we'll get into the car. We'll deconstruct the likelihood of a carbon tax after the uh, the the special uh, the special elections. But already, one of your predictions came true. <laughs> Press release from Senator Ed Markey. New GAO report requested by Markey finds lifting oil export ban results in higher costs for American consumers, no reduction in foreign oil dependency. This new report confirms what I've said all along. Repealing the crude oil export ban benefits big oil at the expense of the American consumer and the climate. Yeah. It's time we reinstate the crude oil export ban and transition toward a clean energy economy that will free us from our fossil fuel 
addiction. Yeah, um, I'm just going to take a real quick victory lap and say that was not the hardest prediction I've ever made. Um, you know, the the bad guys, they have to they have to close off exports of both crude and ultimately refined products to um, really destroy what's left of the industry in the United States. Um, ordinarily, I'd ignore it, um, but Ed Markey is now in full-on alliance with the actual leader of the Democratic Party, um, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, right? He is her henchman in the United States Senate. Um, and this, you know, he, he, I was unaware of this request, but obviously he was thinking ahead of me, um, which is not the first time, won't be the last. He's a smart guy. Yeah, I mean, it's really irrelevant. I, I mean, don't know if it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant I, that the GAO reported what they reported because everyone knows that Oh, oh, you like mean a, it's just it just gives them the, the cover. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I'm not annoyed about that. I'm annoyed that I didn't know the he had put the request in, like telegraphing what he ultimately wanted, right? Um, this comes back to Georgia, right? Yeah. You wind up with 52 Democratic senators. Um, could you bounce that export ban in a, in a reconciliation? You definitely could. It's going to be – even then it's going to be hard though. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but the it's, genie's out of the bottle on this. It's going to be hard, but, 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 but it's something we're fighting instead of something we're advancing. Exactly, and that's the other exactly. difference between. And the other thing is you forget the you forget the other side of that, the other side of that of that deal on the export ban in 2015, was the phase out of the wind and solar. Right? Yeah, and it, they're trying to. And they won't. That's not going to happen. And they're either. trying to renege on that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's it's you know if 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 solar and wind. Tax credits gets extended beyond when their phase out is. The only conclusion you can draw is you can never make a deal with the Democrats in the Senate. Well, I mean, you can't really do it anyway. I mean, we, what have the Republicans ever gotten out of an energy bill? What? What have the Republicans ever gotten out of an energy what bill? What are you talking about, Tom? We got the RFS. Yeah, that's my point exactly. We want to thank the only thing we've ever gotten out of energy bills is more government control of our choices. We want and to thank that is the bottom line. The energy policy in this country should be get out of the energy business. You have no business being in the energy business. We want to thank Bill Coatsell for the RFS. And we'd also like to shout out Margaret Caravelli for doing what she could to stop it. Um, but yeah, the RFS and uh, what else do we get? I'm sure we got some other stuff that's really important. And the critical. one thing that, that – people say that we did get was the explicit prevention of the EPA regulating fracking. Okay, let's just under the safe drinking Let's water think Act. about that for 10 seconds. So what we got was a clarification of, of how of existing law. Right, of how EPA could could regulate people is what we got. Right. That's not much. Okay. Um Notre Dame, I North Carolina. Wish, you want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving? I do. I'm I'm even though uh it's a weird time. I'm grateful for uh, everything. That I've gotten gifts this year beyond uh, comprehension. I've, I've spent more time with my children than I could have possibly imagined. Or wanted. Or, or perhaps. <laughs> but it's it nonetheless the fact. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot different, a lot more quiet. But, uh, you know, uh, what is – the sentiment is still there. I am very thankful for family and friends, and I, and I hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving in spite of what the – totalitarians tell you you can and can't do on, on, on this wonderful day. I'm writing a brilliant column on Thanksgiving. I recommend you all read it Thursday before you eat. Um, it's going to be a meaningful and heartfelt and all that other hoorah. All right. Clip of the day. I found one. Lay it on me. Ready? Yeah. Governor Pritzer of <laughs> Illinois. Ready?
This is not a stay-at-home order. But the best way for us to avoid a stay-at-home order is to stay home. <laughs> That's a wrap, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>